Well, this morning we're going to uh, focus on uh, one of the solas of the Protestant Reformation, Solideo Gloria. And uh, I don't have just one verse in mind. There are so many that we'll be looking at and considering this morning. But if I had one overarching text of Scripture to at least launch our study this morning, it would probably be Romans chapter 11, verse 36, which says, For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. And that kind of summarizes creation, salvation, kind of captures it all. So I want us to, uh, this morning, in light of today being October the 31st, which is a very important day in church history, it's a day that uh, we know Martin Luther, in some ways, is described as launching the Protestant Reformation and nailing the 95 Theses to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany. And we celebrate that. Because in the Protestant Reformation, God in His mercy and grace led these men, these reformers, to recover the biblical gospel and recover the major themes of Scripture that had been neglected, abused, lost, distorted for many, many centuries. And so that's what we're going to basically look at this morning. Just to remind you again, the five solas of the Protestant Reformation begins with sola scriptura, Scripture alone, Sola fide, faith alone. Sola gratia, grace alone. Solus Christus, Christ alone. And then soli deo gloria. Soli deo gloria, the glory to God alone, is really the pinnacle. It's, it's the summit. It's the mountaintop of all of these other solas. I agree with Dr. Sproul when he said, Each sola is important, but the first four really exist to preserve the last one, namely the glory of God. By sola scriptura, we declare the glory of God's authority by noting that only His inspired Word can command us absolutely. Sola fide, solus Christus, sola gratia, all exalt God's glory in salvation. God and God alone, through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, saves His people from sin and death. So that solideo gloria really is the high watermark of all of these great biblical truths and themes that were recovered in the Protestant Reformation. So what does solideo gloria mean after all? Well, I think we could probably break it down into two concepts. The first one is that solideo gloria means that the ultimate reason for all of God's works of creation, providence, and redemption is to manifest His own glory. In essence, the focus of God is God. God is rightly self centered, which for us is sinful, but for God it's the only way He could be. Because God is infinitely perfect. 
And a perfect being can only delight and rejoice in that which is perfect. And for God to delight in anything less than that, it would be imperfect for Him. So He must delight in the greatest good, the greatest perfection, which is none other than Himself. So God is all about God. God is the reason for everything that God does because of who He is. It's kind of a mind-blowing concept because we, we are so self-centered by nature, which is such a flaw of our sinful character, but not so with the infinitely righteous God. And God is jealous for His glory as well. Isaiah 42 verse 8 tells us, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. Now in the context of the Protestant Reformation, the reason why this was so novel, so glorious, to return back to Solideo Gloria, was because in the Roman Catholic Church, it was all about the glory of man, the glory of the church, the glory of its leaders. The Pope and the Cardinals were, were adorned like kings. Their cathedrals were like palaces adorned with gold and silver and wealth and treasures. And they had the power and the control. It was ultimately about man's kingdom. Though they couched it in the concept of religious kingdom of God, it was more about their own glory, their own power. And the Protestant reformers saw the travesty of this focus, the misplaced loyalty of this religious system, and they, were sought, they sought to restore the ultimate supreme supremacy of God's glory being over all things. And so they focused on soli Deo Gloria. Glory to God alone, not to man, but to God. This is the heart and soul of the meaning of this particular motto, but it's more than just a theological statement that reflects the truth of Scripture. It's also the very ambition and goal of our personal lives is to live each and every day solely Deo Gloria. As I said, it's more than a theological truth it's more of a lifestyle. Solideo Gloria is a practical exhortation to you this morning and to me. It's a divine calling upon us. It's a holy command that we should make the glory of God our highest ambition and our highest aim in life. Not my glory, but God's glory. Not my kingdom, but God's kingdom. Not my will, but God's will. That's living soli Deo Gloria. And that is a challenge for you this morning, as for me, that that is what we aim at, though we fall miserably short all the time. We find this uh, great exhortation reflected in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question number one. We're all familiar with this, but just by way of reminder, it asks the question, what is the chief end of man? 
And the word end here means what's your, what's your chief purpose in life? Why are you here? What's your goal in life? And the answer, of course, that we've all learned is that man's chief end, his goal, his purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. It's a challenge. But that's what we're to aim at. And to do that, we have to recalibrate our thinking. We have to change the way we, we approach life and to bring it in line with this incredible glory of God alone concept. Some of the scriptures that kind of help to explain what it means to live a solideo gloria life are some of these. Paul in 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether then you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now there's a context for this passage that deals with eating meat sacrificed to idols and all the Issues that was bringing into the church because of the flooding in of Gentiles into the body of Christ. And so this has more to do with living for God's glory by adjusting what I eat and drink so I don't offend my brother in a secondary issue or something like that. But it's, he adds to it, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Everything that you do in life, aim at God's glory. Paul writes again his second letter to the Corinthian church in chapter 5, verse 9. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to God. Is that your ambition? Is that my ambition? To be pleasing to God? Or I'm just living to please me? That's not living, Solideo Gloria. Paul says, This is my ambition. Whether I live or whether I die, I want to please God. And that is a challenge to all of us. Again, a few verses later, he says of Christ that He died for all, so they who live might live no longer for themselves, but for Him who died and rose again on their behalf. Living for Christ is solideo gloria. It's evaluating what I'm doing by, Lord, is this Your will? Is this Your pleasure? Is this glorifying to You? It's living for the Lord, not just living for me. That's solideo gloria. Paul again in Colossians, writing to the church of Colossae, speaking of Christ, He's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself might come to have first place in everything. Does Christ have first place in every area of your life? Well, we stumble often, don't we? Psalm 73, verse 25, captures the essence of Solidae of Gloria. Whom have I in heaven but Thee? And apart from Thee, I desire nothing on earth. And I try to get my brain inside the brain of the psalmist. And I'm just saying, how can you, how can you think that way? It's such a holy, consecrated life. But I desire nothing on earth but You. 
Psalm 115 verse 1 reflects solidea gloria as well. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to Your name give glory. Lord, it's not about me getting glory in this life. It's about You getting glory. That is my aim. That is my ambition. Man, these are incredible. And even Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount exhorts His disciples to seek first His kingdom, His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek God's kingdom. Not your kingdom. Not your rule, your reign, but God's reign in every area. Well, the problem, the struggles that we all have in living Solideo Gloria is a sinfulness of our human nature. It's a constant drag. It's like running a race, pulling a hundred pound lead weight behind you. It just wears us out. It brings us to a dead stop. It wears, it takes all of our energy out. We're just struggling so often without the grace of the Holy Spirit. The flesh is always seeking its own glory, not God's. And because we are Born again, we have the Spirit of God within us that wants to live Solideo Gloria, but I have my flesh that's just eaten up with the desire to, to please itself. And so we have this battle going on within us. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life just seems to bubble up within us, doesn't it, at times? Seems to distract us to pervert everything we do into a selfish direction so that ultimately I do things because it, it's what I want or it pleases me or it's for my benefit rather than thinking of God's glory. We live in a very man-centered culture which penetrates our own lives and our own thinking and our own mind so that we're just surrounded by this. I mean, how many commercials do you see and they're advertising some product Maybe for the ladies or something, it says, you know, you're worth it or you deserve it or something like that. It just appeals to our self-centeredness so often. Our default position of the flesh is it's all about me. Make me happy. Make me wealthy. Make me prosper. It's all about me. That's the default position of our flesh. The Spirit's position is look to God's glory. Live for Him. That's the only thing that will give meaning and purpose in life. Robert Schuller, back in the last century, was a popular megachurch preacher, international preacher. He spent much of his ministry at Crystal Cathedral in California. And he built an empire preaching on self-esteem and self-belief and possibility thinking. And one time he made this comment about the Protestant Reformation. And this is what he said. He said, the Protestant Reformation erred because it was God-centered rather than man-centered. 
So that's the problem with the Protestant Reformation. They're too God-centered. And in his theology, the key to the Christian life was being man-centered, self-centered, seeking after my wants. If there's anything that was more contrary to the Protestant Reformation is the attitude reflected by this man. The Cambridge Declaration said this in response, The loss of God's centrality in the life of the church is common and lamentable. It is this loss that allows us to transform worship into entertainment. Gospel preaching into marketing. Believing into technique and being good into feeling good about ourselves and faithfulness into just being successful. That's what losing Solidale Gloria is and how it's corrupted the church in so many ways. The end result is that Christianity has erred because it has become too man-centered. It's all about me. What do I get out of it? We ask. How can I be happy? How can I be fulfilled? How can I be successful? And this is nothing ultimately but self-idolatry. And that's what the flesh is always trying to move us in that direction. Is to worship me as my own highest good rather than in God. Calvin nailed it when he spoke of this as an issue that we wrestle with. When he said that by nature, our hearts are nothing but idle factories continually producing one idol after another. And it's only when we walk by the Spirit that we can identify those idols and cast them down and cast them out rather than giving way to them in our life. It's really all about God and not about us. Let's briefly kind of survey the Scriptures on again, Solidale Gloria, that everything that God does is for God. And let's begin just uh, as we mentioned at the outset that all creation was made for one reason, to glorify God. So we read these familiar verses in Psalm 19.1, the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanses declaring the work of His hands. Now when the psalmist wrote this, maybe around 1000 B.C., and they looked up in the skies at night, they could count maybe, I don't know, eight or 10,000 stars. They had no idea how huge the universe was. So now with the Hubble telescope, being able to study and examine these things, now the scientists tell us that there are probably about two trillion galaxies. Not stars, galaxies. Two trillion. And each galaxy has from 100 to 200 billion, that's a B as in big, 100 to 200 billion stars in it. Now do the math, that's pretty big. And all this empty space in between them, it's incredible. But the heavens are telling of the glory of God. Why did God create so many of them? Because it speaks of His 
power, His omnipotence, His glory, His majesty, His might. So that all of creation, including our little bitty speck of a planet Earth, was created for the one single purpose of glorifying God. Paul says it in Romans 1. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. So all creation, God created not because He was bored in heaven. I don't have anything to do. Let's let's create a universe. No, He's completely self-sustained, self-sufficient. But He did it to put His glory on display. That's why He created the heavens and the earth. The same is true with salvation. Why did He save you? Is it all about you? Is it just to make you happy? No, it's to make Him glorious. And part of the side benefit is our eternal happiness, thank God. But He saved us for His glory. That's why He did it. And there's no greater passage of Scripture that lays that out than Ephesians 1. Starting in verse 4, He chose us and Him before the foundation of the world. Why did God choose sinners to save? To the praise of the glory of His grace. That's why He chose to save sinners. It wasn't just to make us glorious. I mean, we get to share in that as, again, part of the results. But ultimately, it was to put the glory of His grace on display. In verse 7 and following, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Why? To the praise of His glory. Christ came to redeem you and to save us for the praise of His glory forever. And then we read also at the end of that paragraph that we were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance to the praise of His glory. So our election, our redemption, our being sealed with the Spirit, which is a pledge of our inheritance, our future glory is all to the praise of His glory. That's why He did it. The Romans 11 verse that I started out with just kind of sums it all up. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. Paul had talked about creation. That's from Him and through Him and to Him. God is the source of creation. Creation came about through Him as Christ spoke the cosmos into being and was all created for Him to Him, to His glory, to His majesty. Paul has also talked about redemption in much of the book of Romans, and that's included. From Him and through Him and to Him are all things, even our salvation. The plan of it, Christ accomplishing it, the Holy Spirit working that grace in our hearts, it's all from Him, through Him, to Him. And it summarizes I think, solideo gloria in a very majestic and powerful way. It ends with, to Him be the glory forever. 
That's the goal. Solideo Gloria. To, glory to God alone. And may that glory be forever, never ending. So within Romans 11.36, we are included in there. We're in the all things. So God has created you because we too are from Him. We are through Him. And you are here today with one purpose to strive after and that is to be to Him. For His glory. To Him. Dedicated to Him. Living for Him. Committed to Him. We too are here from Him, through Him, and to Him. That He might have the glory forever. So to live Solideo Gloria, the greatest challenge that you and I have this morning, because we have the Spirit, we have the flesh, we have the battle going on, is we must deliberately and diligently and daily disciple ourselves in Solideo Gloria. Deliberately, diligently, and daily disciple ourselves in Solideo Gloria. Our thinking, our behavior, our words that come out of our mouth. We need to calibrate our hearts to aim at this highest of all ambitions. Because ultimately, your life is not about you. And neither is mine. And yet too often, we just absorb ourselves into this self-centered reality. When we think about our future, we think about our present, all in terms of what am I going to get out of it? What's best to my benefit? What will bring me the most profit? What will bring me the most benefit of whatever it might be? And what the Word of God challenges us to do is to have a higher standard in your life than just you and me being our own standard. Get it higher. Look at God's glory and aim at that. Not just you. Don Kistler is the very first speaker 19, actually 20 years ago at our very first Reform Conference of Oklahoma. He came and he spoke on the five solas. And he made a comment in there that I wrote down because it struck me. Because so oftentimes our pursuing after God is really because we just want things from God. We just want the blessings from God. We want the, the benefits from God. And he made this comment. He said, if you only love God for what He gives you, then you only love yourself. If you only love God for the blessings that you're trying to get from Him, then you only love yourself. Because instead of living Solidale Gloria, you're living Soli Me Gloria. For my glory, for my happiness. 
And the Scriptures say, your bar, your standard is way too low. And yet we struggle with this. So on a practical note, how do we live Solideo Gloria lives? How do we do that? Well, of course, only with God's help, naturally. But first off, to glorify God, we must know God, right? That's the beginning place. We've got to understand that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That God is a just God. If I stood before Him as a sinner and a violator of His holy commandments, then I justly deserve to be condemned. But I have put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to save me. And this is where really to live Solidale glory, as Sproul said, you really kind of need to understand the first four. That it's sola scriptura, that it's the Word of God that holds out hope for me. It, it gives me God's revelation to guide me and to point me to Jesus Christ. Salvation is by sola fide. It's not by my, my works. I can't work my way to heaven. I can't be righteous enough. It's by faith alone, not faith plus works. It's sola gratia. It's by God's grace. I can't merit it. I can't produce my own righteousness. It's totally by His grace. And it's solus Christus. It's only through Christ. Nobody else can save us. Only Jesus Christ, who is the God-man, fully God and fully man, yet without sin, who could die in our place and take our sins and suffer the wrath of God and satisfy God's justice for our sin. So you must know God. And if you don't know God this morning, then you need to understand your condition before a holy God as a sinner. That there is a judgment day coming. And the only way to find forgiveness of your sin is you must flee all self-righteousness, all self-esteem, all self-promotion that you are a sinner deserving God's judgment and flee in faith to Jesus Christ. And He's promised He will save you. He will forgive you. Just cast yourself upon the Lord in faith. Come and know the Lord. And by His grace, He will help us, not perfectly, but He will help us to live more for His glory and not just be sunk in the mire of always pursuing what's best for me. So we got to begin by knowing God. Secondly, living Solidale Gloria lives <clears throat> means that we need to praise God and give thanks to God regularly. Psalm 50 verse 23 says, He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me. So when we give thanks to God, we honor God, we glorify God, we exalt God. When we give thanks to God, when we give praise to God, then we can live more solidale gloria. You see, the thankful heart is focused more upon God because it realizes that all the blessings that we do have come from God. And I want to thank God for them and praise God for those blessings. When we don't give thanks to God, when we don't praise God, then our, our natural worldview just kind of shrinks in 
wrapped around the stuff that's all around my immediate life. It becomes earthbound. It's like taking an eagle that's meant to fly and soar in the heavens and breaking its wings so that now all it can do is hop along the ground. And whenever we stop praising God and thanking God, then suddenly I've just become, I become overwhelmed with my troubles and my sorrows. I'm just looking at all the bad things. No, you gotta get your mind up and look upon the glory of God and give Him thanks and praise. That's how we can better live for the glory of God is to focus on Him and the blessings that He gives to us. We all need to learn to give thanks for what we have and not grumble about what we don't have. Because too often times we just grumble. We look around. We see what other people have. We see what I want to have. Well, I don't have that stuff. So we get start grumbling. We get depressed. We get discouraged. And yet what the Scriptures tell us is in everything, give thanks. Give thanks for what you do have. And you'll have much more of the joy of the Lord and you'll see and live more for for God's glory. This is the exact opposite of Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament. It says in Daniel chapter 4 that the king was walking on the roof of his royal palace and he reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the great which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power? And for the glory of my majesty, he was completely self-centered. And all of his achievements, he brought all the glory to himself instead of praising God and giving the glory to God. It was all, look at what I've built for my glory, for my majesty. He was thinking like an animal, so God turned him into an animal. He was driven away from the dwelling of mankind to live with the beasts of the field. He began to eat grass like the cattle. His body was drenched with dew from heaven until his hair had grown all out and hanging down like eagle's feathers. And his nails began to grow out like bird's claws. And this is what happens really to everyone who suppresses the truth about God's glory and they take that glory to themselves. They're thinking like animals and God will treat them like animals because they are robbing glory from the One to whom glory belongs and that is God and God alone. So we need to learn to praise God for our achievements, for our blessings, for all that we have, and thank Him for it. And not boast in what we've done by our own power or by our own strength. Thirdly, we can live solidel gloria lives by bearing fruit for God. Jesus said in John 15.8, My Father is glorified by this. So, want to know how to glorify God? Jesus tells us that you bear much fruit and so prove to be My disciples. Bear much fruit. That glorifies God. When I'm not bearing fruit, I'm not glorifying God. And Jesus wants us to bear fruit 
Because that brings glory to God. There's all kinds of fruit that we can bear. The Scripture talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the whole list. You see those in your life? Dealing with your wife or your husband or your children, your co-workers, your neighbors, people you run into. Is that fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life? Showing that grace? Well, if it's not, we're not living for the glory of God. The Father is glorified by fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. Other fruit can be obedience. It can be service. It can be loving other people. Loving God. Loving our neighbor as ourselves. Thinking about other people. How we can be a blessing to them. That glorifies God. It gets us out of our little shell to focus upon the needs of those around us. How can I minister to others? That glorifies God. We want to be a blessing. We want to see God's goodness and God's gospel and, and, and God's blessings upon other people. That's bearing fruit for the glory of God. Seeking what's best for others. And finally, we can say we live solidale gloria lives by seeking His glory in all things. Just in every area of our life. Psalm 115, again, verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to Your name give glory. Because of Your loving kindness, because of Your truth. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. It's not, don't give glory to us, Lord. Give glory to Your name. That's what we want. And we can seek God's glory in every area of our life. We can seek God's glory when we work, when you get up Monday morning, you go to work. You know, what's our attitude towards the work, the vocation, the job that God has given to us. Oh man, what a pain. I gotta get up and go to work today. Or you can have an attitude that reflects the glory of God. That I'm gonna give this job that God has given me all that I can. I'm gonna do the best that I can to honor Him in all my work, to do the very best job that I can, and to try to glorify Him in what I do. If it's just to get a paycheck, I think your, your standard is too low in your attitude towards your job. We can glorify God in, in all things. The way we spend our money, the way we spend our time, we're to seek to bring Solidale glory into every area of our life. To try to be a blessing to others. To look at your work, even if it's drudgery and if, even if it's boring. But you know what? You're providing a service that's going to benefit other people. And God, I thank You that I can do this boring job 
And you might even not like it, but Lord, through this, you have given me the opportunity to contribute to some service that's going to be a blessing to somebody else so that, Lord, I can honor you and glorify you by being a blessing to other people through the job that you've given me. It's just trying to calibrate our thinking to be solideo gloria and to lift it higher to make the glory of God our highest motivation in all that we do. I love the story of Johann Sebastian Bach who was challenged to live Solideo Gloria. He was born in 1685 in the town of Eisenach, Germany. Probably didn't pronounce that right. But he was born there and 150 years earlier, Martin Luther was held up in a castle there in that same town and he translated the Scriptures into German And he wrote some of the hymns that would later on have such a powerful impact on Bach. And he grew up being influenced by Martin Luther, by the Protestant Reformation. And of course, after Luther was in the castle a few years later, he then wrote The Mighty Fortress is Our God that we sang this morning that became a battle hymn of the Reformation. But all of this influenced Johann Sebastian Bach. And it was said that had there not been a Luther, there would not have been a Bach. And Bach's work, his music, was an extension of his worship of God. And he made it his own personal commitment to seek the glory of God in everything that he did. Every piece of music that he composed every time he played the organ or one of the other instruments that he was so skilled in, he sought to do it for the honor and the glory of God. For Bach, his music was basically his pulpit. And particularly through his cantatas, he loved to communicate the great biblical themes of Jesus Christ and salvation. For example, in his Cantata number 21, part 1, that the choirs would sing was all about the sorrows and distress of sin in our souls. And then in part 2 of this cantata, he, he wrote about the joy of salvation brought by Jesus Christ. And then in the final chorus of this cantata, it began with the words, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Because in his mindset, God had given him a gift. And he wanted to use that gift not for his own glory or praise or honor. He wanted to use it for the glory of God. And so on his organ, at his home church, was inscribed the word Solideo Gloria. And at the end of most of his compositions, he would write S-D-G, Solideo Gloria. Or he'd write out in longhand, to God alone be the glory. At the end of his life, he died when he was 65. He was totally blind because of various eye ailments that he had and operations that only made it worse. He died as a blind man. And yet, laying on his bed before he passed into the presence of Christ, he dictated his last composition, which was the choral entitled, Before Thy Throne I Now Appear. 
Because he was focused on leaving this life for the next life. He was a man who lived soli deo gloria. He was a man who can challenge us in our work, in the way we live out our lives in all of its complexity, is to try to be deliberate and diligent and daily in discipling our souls to live solid day, O Gloria. Our church used to support a missionary in Mexico many years ago. And this dear brother and his wife uh, labored in, in Mexico doing church planting, preaching the gospel, teaching people about Christ. And he lost his, his wife to cancer. And years later, after he retired and moved back into the States, he got to know another Christian woman in his church and he became very interested in her and he grew to love her and he wanted to marry her. But there was a problem because she had been divorced. And in his own mind and conscience, he had to work through that before he would ever propose to marry her. And I remember us having a number of lengthy phone conversations, opening up the Scriptures and working through all of these passages dealing with divorce and remarriage, which can be such a complicated issue for, for many. And all the while, in his heart, he said, I cannot marry her unless I'm convinced in my conscience that this is God's will for me and that God would bless it. And he would wrestle with this because I could tell in talking with him that he loved this woman and he wanted to marry her bad. But he would not let him do it unless he was convinced that it was for the glory of God. And I came away just from our conversations with him and just working through the Scriptures and trying to give him the different options of how the different godly men interpret these verses. And he wrestled with it for a period of a couple of years. And the impression that that left with me is here is a man that truly was living Solideo Gloria. It wasn't about his happiness. And he wanted to be happy. He wanted the blessings of marriage. It wasn't about him. It was about whether God would be happy. God would be pleased. Whether God would be glorified. And he was willing to sacrifice his own happiness. His own pleasures. All the blessings that come from a Christian marriage and home. He was willing to give it all up. If it wasn't for God's glory. And that's the challenge that you and I have this morning. That solideo glory is not just a theological concept. It is a lifestyle that every child of God should seek to live by. And yes, we'll fall on our faces a hundred thousand times and more. The first day. And then many more times after that. 
But it should be the ambition of our heart to live for the glory of God. Because that's where the greatest joy is. That's where the greatest blessing is. But that's what God is worthy of. That's what God deserves. So the challenge I leave with you this morning is to make progress in living solideo gloria. Is that with God's help, we should deliberately and diligently and daily disciple ourselves to live to the glory of God alone. And continue the battle of suppressing self-glory and submit it to the greatest ambition and pursuit of all. And that is to live for God's glory. Well, may the Lord help us in that. And may these great truths of the Protestant Reformation continue to echo and have its impact upon our lives today. Well, let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father, we just uh, thank You, Lord, for this incredible move of the Spirit of God so many centuries ago. That You worked mightily within the hearts of Your church to bring them back to these incredibly important biblical and gospel truths. And Lord, it's so easy for all of us to become succumbed and enamored and entrapped by the general self-centeredness of our own day and age. And yet, Father, You have called us to a higher standard. A standard to look beyond ourselves, to focus our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. To not just live for ourselves, but to live for Him who died and rose again on our behalf. Oh, Father, help us. Lord, You know how often we stumble and fail. How often we don't live up to this great ambition of the Scriptures. So we call upon You, Lord, today that You would help us individually to deliberately and diligently and daily disciple our own minds, our souls, our hearts, into focusing more on Your glory and Your kingdom and Your will rather than ours. Lord, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So help us, Lord, for Your glory we ask it. Amen.